Welcome to Season 3. And this tradition unlike any other. Welcome back, ladies and gents, to another installment of the Business Culture Podcast. As always, it's wonderful to have you along. In this week's episode, we have a fantastic guest in the form of Mark Wernich, General Manager of the Taj Hotel in Cape Town. Mark has enjoyed an illustrious career in the hospitality industry, learning from many different environments, as well as steering his team through a very testing COVID period. We're going to unpack some of those learnings and stories, and I hope you find great value from the episode. First of all, I just wanted to say thanks very much for being on the podcast. I I think it's a it's always interesting when you work with people. You, you'd love to get a, a bit more time with them and understand um, a little bit about the story and, and the learnings. And we've had a little bit of time to be able to do that. But for the sake of the podcast, um, I, I've been really excited to interview you and just hear a bit more about the story. Uh, especially given the fact that we've just gone through quite an interesting period in, I guess, your career and in many others' careers, given what COVID did. But uh, we, we always love to start with a little bit of a, an executive summary, if you would, of kind of what the, what the journey's been like up until now. Um, you've had a wonderful career so far and some great experience to draw on. So we just like to tap into that to start things off and just give a, get a little bit of a summary of that. When looking at that or, or hearing that question, it's, it's such a long time now, 33 years. So sure. since I started in this industry, 89, and then I went to the army. So 89, I went to work at a place, Santos Protea Hotel, you know, on the sure. beachfront. And I, I got to learn what it was like to run around in a season, you know. And so it was my, um, you know, I was born into that and then realized it's something I really liked. Um, mm. Off I went to the army. With the promise that if I wanted to go into that industry, you know, I can do it when I got back. Um, like you, I played a lot of sports. So that for me was important in the army and I played a lot of sports. And, and for my sins, I, I went into the kitchen there and then I started running the, the, the lieutenant's bar and the captain's bar. So I had a very good grooming in terms of hospitality. And that's, you know, we were catering for the masses. So actually, funny enough, um, it was a good grounding. And then I came out. And started to look, look, you know, what should I do? And I played a bit of sports for a year or so. And as as I told you last time, we were in that era where we were still in the, you know, the early 90s. So not much was happening for us guys at that point in time. Uh, that came about five years later. So I realized, look, I'm going to have to go work now. This is just how it works. And so, you know, I took, I took the opportunity to reach out to every single hotel in the city at the time. So imagine at that time there's... There's no hotels in the city, and uh, I joined the Protea Group. You know, I got offered an internship, and you know, I had a great journey there. And one of the best pieces of advice was, you know, I added on an orientation year to my year, which which gave me about four and a half years of real hands-on hands-on experience. Um, and that just set me up for for the rest of my time because from there, you know, I I got fast tracked into the system of Protea and. It was a great company to, to do that with because it was the number one hospitality company in South Africa at the time, and it was growing all the time. So you had wonderful opportunity in front of you if you were brave enough to work. You know? And then from there, you know, there was a 16-year career journey. And then obviously took the brave step to step out a little bit um, and run five-star hotels, but all their services, food and beverage, housekeeping. And then I was an outsourced guy on the other side taking the pain. You know, mm. So I'm um, being told every month, you're not so great, you know, and that's just a price game. And so you understood how it worked, um, but mm. you developed a 
lot of relationships. Um, and that was what set me up for, you know, now really growing into the South African hospitality market and knowing everybody and, and really coming to know my peers and, and developing a lot of relationships. Um, so that was great. And then, and then from there, I joined the Radisson group, um, you know, so also good. There were, there were one or two short stints in between with some other prominent hoteliers that I worked for. So always, always working for great people, working for great companies that, that had a good vision um, and always being, being put in a position that allowed me to grow. So, and mm. being challenged all the time is it's also something that, you know, I take on board Um yeah, and then then that found me. I mean, so at the end of the day, I've looked at only about five companies that I've worked for in my thirty-three year mm-hmm. journey. I've been with Taj now nearly five years. So, yeah, and it's and it's going pretty quickly. And you know, so it's a two-year pandemic phase, two year and a bit already. So, although I think we actually really came out of it late last year, um, albeit Omicron was, you know, was was put onto the scene. But I think we've we've literally been out of it six months now, just in different forms and, and seeing business come back. So, yeah, and that's that's my journey, you know. Um, I'm at the Taj now. I really enjoy it, pushing on on in years and age and experience and and, and love the brand and where we position to to tackle this and to go forward, you know. So, mm. yeah, it's been a been a good journey in that sense. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you've uh, had and been with some really reputable brands in the hospitality space. I wanted to ask you in, in that sense, you know, big companies like that typically have to operate in a certain way in, in order for them to thrive, given their size, et cetera. Um, but even within within that, I think you obviously learned a lot in those different environments. Is there significant differences in in the way those types of, of hotel brands operate internally, or, or is it is it relatively similar given given their size and, and what comes with that? It is relatively similar. Um, however, as we all know, that some businesses and, and, and companies have a deeper ethos towards people and and, and their culture and the way they right. do things. Um, so yeah, I think I think importantly that they are similar, and, and we all work towards profitability and sure. you know trying to maintain the balance of, of staff, people, associates, guest scores. Um, and it's a balance at the end of the day, but I think you. You ultimately are there for a number and, and and that's the measure of your success. And then ultimately the guest satisfaction and the staff satisfaction. So not always easy to juggle all of those together. Um, but I think results are important and, and all companies are, are measured on that. So we, we need to find, you know, uh, that balance where, where we can be successful. And they've all been great in terms of, you know, development of people. I've seen all those companies being able to develop people, work hard on on this strategy from bottom to top. So, yeah, I, I, they stand out. Um, I think where I currently am, I mean, if you take the Tata Group and Taj uh, as a hotel company, it's it's incredibly powerful to see how they work with people. Um, it's it's truly been amazing to see that journey uh, and the, the human culture behind it. It's it's mm. just wonderful. Yeah. And and still results driven, you know, that's that stays a focus, um, as, as I said. But it's, all very similar. I must be honest. Our right. hotel companies all have people in the back of their mind. It's it's very important because we are people business. So sure. take my hat off to all of them for doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking with the individual in mind who's kind of starting out their career and I, and I guess going into the the learning space as you did where you embarked on that journey with with Protea. I mean, today I guess people are blessed with a bit more choice in in terms of having either the bigger 
you know, corp- corporate sort of environments and then the sort of smaller entity spaces. What would you say is a good good way of deciding what you know what direction is best? Is it a case of just trying to to immerse yourself in as many different environments and seeing what what works? Is it a personality fit thing? I mean, did you notice any types of people that were were better fitted to that kind of space versus a more more boutique kind of environment? Any any thoughts you can share on that? In hospitality, we have quite a clear definition of of food and beverage style candidates and then we have the back of house administrative front office um you know that that style is there too so you can identify immediately mm. what type of uh, candidate you're looking at in the growth and development and if you have a number of properties you can earmark them for the right growth uh, um, to obviously gain their confidence and successfully learn how to run a property um but ultimately, it, it can take any type of general manager to run a hotel. It can take a rooms division. It can take a finance. can take a sales mm. manager. You know, if, if, the, if the grounding is good and, and the period that you've taken to learn the job, you know, you fulfill that because that's important. You need to understand that you as an individual also have to challenge yourself to work different properties and, and yeah. to take on that because every property is different. You know, a right. golf resort is not a city hotel. And the weekend leisure property is also completely different. So mm-hmm. I think the individuals, the advice to the individuals is, is earmark where you want to be. What's your ideal kind of properties you really want to run? It's it's like buying your first house. You know, you've got to tell your wife that it's not the house you're really going to live in. So, and and they're not, they want to live in it immediately, the, the big fancy one at Val de Vie, but it can't be like that. So mm-hmm. and I think it's the same when you take your job. You've got to know your path and your journey and, and you've got to identify, I need to work a resort. Then I need to work this. I need to work a conference center. And I think in the end, then you become much more of an all-rounder, you know, and, and the company is also grooming them like that, which I, which is which makes sense because you have to be the right fit for the position. If not, it's not successful for either party. Right. Yeah, that's some great advice. And um, I think having that sort of worldly uh, perspective is, is, is always going to be beneficial. You've obviously encountered your fair share of different challenges and um, experiences along the way. Uh, we always like to pick out maybe one or two that kind of sit in the in the long term memory, as it were, that that really will yeah. will be on the um, in the book one day. So we'd love to maybe just hear one or two of them and and how they transpired. Yeah, so so you know the Cape Townian GMs complain about the seasonality here. So you know we have five months um, that's winter, and I always joke with them and say, you know, it's always been there. So. <laughs> It's not actually going anywhere. It's going to be there every year. So, Indeed. but you know, the garden route was the biggest challenge for me. Where where that did even more months. It, it really had very small windows of of opportunity, and the west coast was similar. You know, mm. so I think going going to the west coast when it was a very successful hotel, which is a sort of a very pretty hotel, it had a very established culture. The general manager had been there ten years, and Soldana still was feeding into the hotel, and it was just a fantastic place. And then one day that tap was turned off and then I was called look can you come in and and find a way to make this work so and you know people were not convinced because they were thinking to themselves how do we just replace this because who's going to go there every day of the week because these guys literally booked the hotel and of course then we had to reinvent ourselves you know and you, you immediately faced with um, you know digging deep building a plan and discovering that change is the only thing that's going to make it work and we had to convince people to come to Soldana Bay and so what we did was we, we designed our own team building. And, and in the end, we, we were the masters of team building. And we were busing people in 
we were renting the buses. We were taking all the hassle of everyone. They were just coming in for the day, but in their mm. droves, so much so we were buying properties next door and we were extending it, you know, but it was just the case of being challenged and saying, look, we, we need to find an alternative revenue stream. And we did that, you know, and then we geared the team, we trained them and we became professionals at that. So, mm. so much so that we were doing it at other properties in the end and we actually weren't running our own hotel anymore. But mm. but I think the garden route, when I, when I look at all the GMs that worked there and, and, you know, there was always this extra element of creativity and, and a fighting for business because, um, you know, you all fight for the same golf tournament. You all fight for the same, uh, you know, uh, a big conference that's coming. So everyone right. bids for it and you just, Got to be super creative, and I think that hasn't changed in hospitality. We're always all up against each other. We're always, always, always trying to find the creative angle. So I think mm. that that was a good defining period because it was my second property. Although the first one was just as complicated. So then I, I was a bit known for for taking some of those challenges on, um, and I think success. You know, that has always set me up that uh, I had that agility and and ability to accept change. It's I think it's a first mindset. You have to get right, and then you have to say, "Well, can it be done?" Um, and then you, you know, once you believe, then you've got to get the team to believe, and then you go for it. You know, mm. so thankfully that did work out so well. You know, and I enjoyed it there in the end. It was nearly a five-year stint, so and just year on year, we we got better at doing those things. Mm. What 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 um, what out of that? challenge uh, do you enjoy the most is it the adversity is it the fact that it's not there on a plate for you is it the problem solving kind of process i mean a lot of people who are i guess more certainty driven on would would, would hate that kind of a you know ordeal to have to go through is it just something that you think is inherent to your personality or, or something that you've developed along i the way? think I, th- I think uh, people who, who who really enjoy sports um and and have always played sports are naturally like that because we're used to different scenarios and and a little bit different mentally and 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 like the change you know then then you get uh the the different thinkers that that don't like it to be too too disruptive and and like the day to days you know so i enjoy that adversity i enjoy the chips being down uh like the literally coming from behind type of scenario it's nice um yeah and i think yeah, I think that's important to me. It's it's something must be a semi-challenge. Um, not always the greatest challenge, but a semi-challenge is always good and it keeps people thinking and moving. And um, and even if they've started becoming successful and we have to challenge them some more, you know, that's, that's yeah. just the way it is. And Mark, do you think that... Um, yeah, I like know- it. Do you think that fast forwarding a bit to to our most recent adversity, do you think that from a, from a sort of a net outcome perspective that that something like COVID will render the hospitality industry more agile uh, in a, in a better place to solve more problems because of the adversity faced, or do you think it'll more be a net negative in in terms of what it's done for the the industry at large? I I think a lot of people will will keep the agility they've had to have, and some will become indispensable and they will learn that that was the important point was was to be very optimistic be agile and be indispensable and if you were then you were you were better set up for this period um mm. but yes things do return back to normal pretty quickly so um and people forget very fast too so i think the advice is that people should keep their agility and they should keep it in their life. And, and that is quite important to set themselves up personally for any future problems that may come. 
because mm. if you if you have more bows uh, in your armory, then it's better for you as an individual too, you know. And the company, of course, it's an ideal if if you can get a lean organization that's working really strong to a common goal. Um, but I think hospitality is pretty unique uh, in that sense that the guest also always dictates what we really need and want. So mm. we need to see what the future holds in terms of how the guest perceives us being a little bit more lean in luxury maybe, you know, so it's, it's, it'll be an interesting landscape the next year. Right. Not to say it's that simple to just stay lean. And, and I think ideally you want to find the balance. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I suppose, as you're alluding to already, that's going to be a moving target that uh, one needs to keep a very close eye on. Um, I, you know, we we work a lot in this in this sort of environment of of purpose driven work and and how cultures are, are so important these days. Somewhat often more important than strategy, some may argue. But you know, when it comes to purpose led cultures and environments that you've been a part of, what does it mean to you in the sense of 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 creating a a purpose or a culture within an environment like the Taj? Um, in terms of your approach to it, you know, is, is it something that you see as a long game? Is it, is it something that, that certain people in your team are tasked to drive? Is it a company wide thing? What's your view on, on purpose led work and, and being a purpose driven organization uh, like the Taj that you oversee? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, the long game, it certainly is and should be, I think it's really about strengthening relationships in the teams with your associates and junior staff um, and then ultimately your guests and your peers you know your peers in the industry too it's having good solid foundations where where you understand each other and you and you have a consistent approach with each other that is what you really want to stand for um, but it's it is a long game and I think your life is long and, and your career is long and and you want to work somewhere as long as you can uh, I think mm. that's important um, and this brand has people working for it for 40, 50, 60 years. And, and you know, it's a 130-year-old company that is just enormous and you can feel it in the way they speak. Um, but it, it doesn't slow us down in the performance level and the quality and standard just because we say we're in it for, for long term. So we have to find the balance where we all want to work together long term because that's also not the easy part, you know. Um, mm. The short-term results is also required from time to time. Um, but I think if you have that openness uh, with the teams and they understand the goals and, and where we're going, then it, it's, it's a mutual partnership to get there. Right. But definitely a long-term strategy and, and, and has to be. Um, and you want to help the brand build you know, itself in the community too. And, and same for yourself. You, you want to you know, have, a, have your own legacy there too. Right. Um, you know, identity with hotels has always been quite a big thing. And and I guess in, in, in the past, hotels could very clearly identify themselves as A, B or C in whatever sort of sector they wanted to play. And do, do you think that, that something like COVID has, has required establishments to be a little bit more agile and flexible in, in, in how they identify themselves? Or, or do you think that it will return much more to what it was like before, you know, before COVID came along? I think I think COVID just brought about the value perspective for the guests and, mm -hmm. and the domestic market being able to experience our properties. Ultimately, demand will determine what we do in the future from a price perspective. But those who are in luxury will want to remain as such and, and mm -hmm. want to 
set up their product accordingly and, and develop their brand. Um, and, you know, that we'll seek to improve our products. Um, and those who are in four-star will do similar for right. that property. Um, you know, so I think, I think we will go back to traditionally thinking, you know, where we position and for what mm -hmm. type of clients. It's, it's, we've already seen it with the shows that have come to town and the demands that's expected. So we know that people are going to come back with an, an even, uh, um, you know, sharper eye. They're going to expect a lot more. And um, COVID isn't an excuse to, to slow down on your quality and, and where you want to be. So I think we'll quickly go back to the definition of, of the brands and, the, and the, the star ratings and, you know, the guests will expect that. A quick break to check in with our sponsor for this interview, RCA Consulting. RCA have been doing work in the learning and development space for the last 12 years, working with a range of different types of companies and organizations to facilitate the enhancement of their organizational culture through blended learning and performance management. To get a free needs analysis for your organization, go over to rcaconsulting.biz to find out more. Without further ado, back to the episode. You know, you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times already, the importance of people in, in hospitality and having the right people as part of your, your makeup and, and all that. Obviously, with uh, again with the, with the challenges we've had, there's there's been a bit of a drain of of good talent within the hospitality industry uh, because it, I guess it was one of the industries most hit. Um, what, what's your view on attracting the right type of talent going forward? You know, a brand like the Taj, which is an aspirational brand to work for. Um, you also would like to work for the kind of general managers, etc., where you know you're going to learn something from, in, you know, in one's career. What, what's what's your sort of philosophy going forward on attracting the right talent? Look, I, th I think we can try as well as anyone to attract talent. If the pool is very thin, mm. we need to make different decisions and decide, well, you know, like we did in the past, you hired for attitude and, and, and things like that. And, and you decide from there, how, how, how good are we to, to get them to the required level? I think that's what's important. We're all going to have to go back to our training boards and learning and development teams and, and guys like yourself and bring them in and, and you're going to broaden the horizon for a lot of people that haven't been exposed to it because we'll see a lot of new people coming to the industry because a lot of people left. So there is yeah. a there is a drain. Uh, I don't think it's very different in many industries, uh, especially if you were unfortunate uh, to, to not have kept your job. It's it's very challenging. So um, And there's been a lot of movement. Um, so I, I imagine, and, and looking around for positions, it, it's been really difficult. Um, but mm -hmm. I think the industry is also resilient and we'll, we'll all train staff for each other again. I, right. That's how it's always worked, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and we are expected that we will be strong there again. That's where we need to build from the ground up again a great training culture within the properties. And, and then right. the rest takes care of itself. It takes time. But I think um, once we're all doing that again, I think we will see the, yeah. the industry will just revive. Yeah. Because it, it is it is geared for lots of growth. I don't right. think it's it's at any stage anyone who's interested in this business should think, ah, oh, you know, no, the pandemic was the pandemic. I think mm. it it is what it is. This industry is alive and well and, and going yeah. to flourish. Yeah. Fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Um you and I have often chatted about individuals, the concept of being indispensable in a company and what, uh, you know, what, what distinguishes those who kind of fall by the wayside to those who kind of progress incrementally uh, to the next level. I'm always fascinated. And I think the listeners are always fascinated to hear whether they are in hospitality or in a different industry, 
what is your definition of being indispensable? You, you've you've been around so many different individuals who have either cut their teeth and 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 made a go of it, and maybe others who haven't done as much. Is there any insight that you can give on on for you and you through your lens? You know what defines someone as being indispensable in an environment like you work? Yeah, I think I think everyone wants people to work with them who has a good attitude. If they have a good attitude, they can make mistakes. They right. if they can persevere, they can make mistakes. If they have discipline, they can make mistakes. That's fine. You know, we we're not. But that's that's sort of the main attribute you want people to have. You want them to have the the discipline and consistency and you know, we used to coin a phrase, you know, uh, um, deliver what you promise. So mm-hmm. as an individual, you've promised to do certain things. So we just need to get on with it. And, and if our teams can do that, then we'll we'll be successful. And I think, you know, um, so yeah, I think perseverance, discipline, uh, right attitude is so crucial. Um, right. And then we have to keep each other in that space. Manager has to keep staff and staff mm-hmm. has to keep manager. And then it's, right. you know, work in progress at all times. But yeah. but good, healthy, challenging also works, you know, at the end of the yeah. day. And and being honest with each other about where you are in that journey, I think that's important. Um, and then also being open that someone might not be enjoying that journey or there's a different path they want. And you've got to work with that, you know. But I think attitude is, is, is a great aspect, you know. Yeah. One of the things I've always respected working with you is um, you're not you're never you're never afraid to have the difficult conversation when it needs to be had, and you know a lot of I guess most people in this world are a little bit conflict averse and they don't like having the difficult conversation. I, I just wanted to sort of discuss that with you a little bit in the sense of for you, you know, it's not to say that you enjoy the difficult conversation, but is it something which you think is um, is inherent in your in your makeup or is it something which you've really just try to force yourself to become a little bit more comfortable with over time and with experience because you know how important it is to have that openness that you spoke about a little bit earlier I th- look it's not no one wants to have difficult conversations with people every day particularly ones who are not as as strong as the others or you know uh, um, not as sound so it's tough um, but they are necessary because it gives us, uh, you know, the barometer and we know where we're going with the individual and how we can help and what we need to do. But I liken it again back to sports because end of the day, you you often had, you know, some some instances a team will have leaders everywhere on the field and, mm. and they're really difficult with each other at the end of the day because they're seeking perfection as a team. So it isn't, it isn't a one guy saying we need to be like this. It needs to be a team uh, that challenges each other and and is not afraid to say, look, you know, you can't throw me under the bus. This is how it works. This is what we're going to do. And I always tell them, if you can't say it in, in this forum in front of your peers, then it's it's a tough one. You know, you, yeah. you're always going to struggle because people are never going to be sure what you really stand for. So I think my purpose around it is that people can be clear where, what my stance is. Um, otherwise, um, you know, that's, it's just a quiet corridor, and I don't really want that. I'd, I'd rather you know where I stand. And, of course, you need to choose your words and, and do things right. Um, but you learn as you as you go along. You know, that's life. Mm. Um, but I think always being able to to say what you feel and and, and how it works for you, and it's, it's important. I think it's a yeah. good lesson for people to have the tougher conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's one of those skills that people don't spend enough time developing just because it is uncomfortable in the beginning. And it's, 
something which a lot of people avoid. Um, but yeah. towards yeah, no the, one wants to tell someone they're not doing so well, you know. So it's exactly. not it's not easy. I think over time you you develop how to deliver the news, you know. But ultimately, it's the same message, um, which sometimes goes on for months, even though they can see the numbers not good, you know. So. Mm. It is tough, um, but I think the sooner you you do something, it's the same with kids. It's the same with any anything you want to grow. You've you've got to correct, course correct, long before you get to that point. Mm, absolutely. Do you feel just in terms of the relationships that you've, especially at the Taj now, you've had quite a few long-standing uh, staff working there and, and fostered some good relationships there. Do you, do you think that um, that balance between the willingness and openness, as well as you know, finding the time to recognize, but also reprimand when necessary, et cetera. Is that a big part of why you've been able to retain good talent there? I think, I think it's definitely that. I think, um, yeah, and, and also, no, it's definitely a balance at the end of the day and, and understanding that, you know, it, it needn't always be all dramatic. Um, you know, it's just, just a straightforward, this is what it is. But I think we also move on pretty quickly uh, and that's a, that's another skill people need is that they mm. need to move on quickly from some discussions and and people keep them in their system too long. It's you know so I think if if you can same with the change we had to do uh, and be agile in this period, you actually have to forget some things very quickly so that you can move on to more positive thoughts and right. so yeah I I don't try to linger on it and and carry on with with something that we've had a discussion about you know unless it mm. never corrects itself. So I think it's always important to to balance it out, and and have a healthy environment people can grow to. If they're growing, it's important because they'll see okay, there's cause and effect here, and things you know there's a benefit to staying with this group. I think that's very important. So people don't mind the discipline that comes with uh, working, but they want to know what's in it for me. Is there a long mm. future? And I think that's what we do offer. We we allow people to grow essentially yeah. into other roles, and you have to take that chance. Mark, actually, that was a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you next in, in that you found yourself in growth situations pretty much throughout your career, whether it was those difficult situations you mentioned, like at Soldana, et cetera. Do, what's been your most effective avenue for growth over your time? Is it is it you throwing yourself or putting yourself, your hand up for difficult situations and therefore learning in those difficult situations? It, were, were there other ways that you could you know expedite your growth I think it's a, it's, it's a topic which some people struggle quite a lot with is, is how do I move to the next level of my career? How do I, you know, especially in hospitality, what, what's the next step essentially here? You know, I'd love you just, just to speak on what, what worked for you over your career. There's, there's two things. Yeah. There, there can be your own personal way where you take on more and you, and you again, realize you want to be indispensable and mm -hmm. you're willing to work long before you get the reward and you understand that you're learning, uh, you know, that's, that's important. Um, and then, then a company that also sees that, you know, so, and they, they're saying, I can see that and, and we're going to give him the opportunity, you know, in some time. And, um, but, but most importantly, it's, it's really, again, making yourself indispensable and understanding mm. that you, we, we don't always get paid for what we do. So it's an attitude and, and you have to put you, you know, what you put in is what you get out. So at first, as I said, it's a personal thing. You need to have that uh, in, inherent culture in yourself. Your company will recognize it. Um, and I, I I definitely like that from individuals where you're not always having to say, okay, you know, 
I will pay you for that day or we'll do this. It's, it's first an attitude. They, you know, they start with that. And then, of course, you recognize the talent then, you know. Mm. So, but I, but I, for me, a big part of it is really the indispensableness and, and put your hand up and, and take on a bit more. And firstly, you're growing yourself. If you if you obviously run into where you're doing it far too long and it's not being recognized, that's completely different. I think that's something that you have to deal with um, mm. because we're not saying people should um, do much more for the company every single day, um, but have a sense of growth and 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 have your own uh, sense of worth. I think that's that's where it should be, you know. Um, but of course, you will determine, you know, when you're giving too much. I think that's also what I what I tell people is that um, you know work for your value, um, you know. But but sometimes it does it does take a bit longer, and you, you need to understand the company's perspective too. So mm. yeah, it's. But, but don't be shy too. You know, I gave, I gave a talk at the hotel school the other day and the guy said, what would you have done? I said, oh, maybe I wouldn't have worked somewhere 16 years. I would only worked there 11, you know, so because, you know, we all need sure. to earn money and we all need to grow. And so, but, mm. but it's about knowing the right times, you know, when yeah. to do that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's tough, but yeah. I think that's obviously one thing that's changed quite significantly over over time is is tenure has uh, has probably decreased quite a lot um, for for maybe a number of reasons. But yeah, it's it's fascinating in that now five years at a at an establishment is seen as a you know as a as a lengthy stint, and perhaps that wasn't always the the, the perception. So it's interesting how how those those ideals are, are perhaps changing a little bit, but Mark, I, I wanted to ask you also, you know, um, you've been in, in, in a number of bigger environments where things like performance management, where things like measurement are very much part and parcel of how those operations have to run because of their size and scale. Um, we find that the, the, the smaller you go in terms of company size, the less natural things like measurement are in terms of the operation of the business. What's your stance on, um, the importance of measurement, w- regardless of size. Do you think it's something which helps a business, you know, in terms of knowing where people stand, the performance of your, I guess, the perception of customers, whatever the case might be. What's what's your feeling on on measurement, regardless of size? Look, I I believe you can over dialogue this, and and you can make it too complex for people, and and they feel quite stressed by having to you know do a performance review too mm. frequently. I think right. senior executives can see a number and 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 do understand it, and obviously realize a lot sooner what what type of problems they're in. Mm-hmm. But I think one once it should be done in a in a type of conversation rather than at the end of the day it's a very strict rigid. What are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? And all mm-hmm. these, you know, these these old tools we used to use. So I think it's pretty much about open dialogue right. and where we, you know, and how we position ourselves and then manage the KRAs. You know, we we all have a common goal. So they are, they are the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just instilling that purpose in, in everyone. You know, um, yeah, it's important. Um, yeah, but I think we can make it, we make it a bit too complicated and, and the right. systems are too too rigid. Um, I prefer to see more outside people coming in also just to have open dialogue with the teams, you know, and, right. and talk about performances and and good culture and, and those work for me. Um, mm. Because if it's too intense and, and too stressful, you don't get the required outcome anyway. Even from a good performer, it, it can become complicated. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you, 
you know, if you could wave your magic wand, especially, and I'm talking about sort of the, the junior management within hospitality now, you know, that are coming up the ranks and maybe the future general managers, et cetera. If you could wave that magic wand and, and change one aspect about the sort of management arm that's coming up, what, what skill set or attribute or competency do you think is, is really there for the taking at the moment that really can be improved, you know, developed? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking across the industry at large now, maybe not just in, in, in a certain sector, but where do you feel the opportunity lies for someone who's listening to this and says, well, you know, this is really something that I can work on? Um, anything that you've earmarked in that sense? Yeah, our industry is not very different to, to 30, 50, 60 years ago. You, you've got to understand this business and, and the service culture behind it. So mm. we always look to, to, to people who understand the service culture and understand the guest journey. And that, that's what we ultimately do. Uh, yes, you can have great business acumen. You can, you know, ha- have a few other skills that others don't have, but I think you you need to have an inherent understanding that you're going to serve people for quite some time. Um, mm. This is what you will actually do all your life. Um, even when you get to corporate level and, and you're sitting in your office and you never get to leave because you, you snowed under in paperwork, your responses are to customers. So you've got mm. to always respond as, in, in a serving manner. So I think we're looking for people that will come into this business um, and and really understand that it's a service culture. And if you're good at it, uh, you will grow. And then obviously business acumen and all of that, we, I think it's great. You know, you need to have a strong sense of financial being. It's great. Um, but service, service, service. And, and just have the discipline to, to work because it's not a very easy industry. Um, you know, it's, it, and food and beverage in particular in a hotel, it's, it, it is long and lengthy and mm. it's, it's a long day. So you will need to be, have a different resilience uh, to other people. Yeah, I think it's some great, great insight. Um, Mark, for the sake of the, our listeners getting to know you better as well, I know you're a sports mad fan, as am I. So I've got to, I've, I feel it any right to ask you a few questions on that front. But what, um, what on the sports side really has got gotten you going over the years? What what sport sporting code and what you know what what sporting practices in particular have always caught your fancy? I love all sports, Rob. So for me, it's it's pretty simple. Um, now now you watch it more than anything else. But mm. I, I loved soccer as a, as a youngster. It was very big for me, and obviously we played a lot of cricket and a lot of rugby in schools. Right. Golf wasn't there till till you could afford golf. I think yeah. that was or you were quite connected. So and and also a wonderful game, you know, at the end of the day. But I love squash, tennis. I, I like all the major sports that are out there. But football is my biggest thing. I think right. um, I love the teams. I, you know, I, I love the concept of these leagues. And now they get to spend money and build a team. So you're actually learning quite a bit about you know putting teams together and and winning right. on the big stage. So. But I love it. Um, yeah, I, I love all sports. Uh, pretty it's easy a, one. It's a fascinating uh, study in terms of the commercial commercialization of soccer, um, in terms of where it's going and the money behind it. it do, do you find the narrative behind that quite interesting? In terms of you were saying how clubs are being built now into these big, um, you know, brands and whatnot. I mean, it, it's interesting because the clubs almost becoming bigger than the country in terms of the brand identity and things yeah. like that. Do, do, do you see a good bright future for the for the sport in that sense yeah i think you know i think 
for all of the sports. I mean, even you look at Formula One, it's just going from strength to strength. Right. Golf has always been truly phenomenal in terms of money and prize winning and TV viewerships. So they're all, they all have their aspects, you know, and you're watching teams build, uh, buying and selling players and then building your stadium. So it's very commercial, you know, and you learn a lot of lessons in that. But ultimately, it's about the 11 players you put on the field. You know, you take a football match and a rugby, obviously some more players, but and it's really the bench and this and that and and how you get everyone to work together. I think it's 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 so valuable to see this and it and mm-hmm. and it's the toughest world because it's not like you can just open we can be 30 hotels on this block, you know, but they're all striving to play in a Champions League. So only four out of twenty-four teams can play. So it's very cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um people are in and people are out from a day-to-day basis. So it's a fascinating and to stay at the top it requires money it requires investment um it's the i think the same in all business if you're not continuously investing in your asset and and maintaining your positioning you you can drop a step or two so it's, yeah. it's the same for everyone uh, you need to Absolutely. have all the tools to to win you know yeah and i think you you alluded to a second ago but this this the way that the the likes of the Netflix of the world are telling these narratives now, I think for the, for the viewer is just exceptional in terms of being able to be closer and more in touch with, um, I guess the backstory and, and all of that, which, um, you know, I think from a value perspective, just increases everything exponentially. You, you mentioned F1 and that's a great example of what, I don't want to say a dying sport, but it was definitely stagnating to now be, yes. um, you know, yeah. on a different trajectory. So it's it's amazing to see how these things are coinciding. I mean, um, your wife's telling you now who's driving in, in there. And, and, you know, so it's amazing. it's really opened up for everyone else because, okay, again, the COVID situation has also you know, it's brought the TV into our homes a lot more. And 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 they've they've seen this, these, these movie companies. And so it's really it's a live world in your living room sort of type of thing. You know, they yeah. play on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. bringing it back to the to the hospitality space, you know, the, this concept of the culture is 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 really just a narrative that we're trying to sell to to staff every day and getting them to buy into it. Because I think that's in our experience when we see these uh, these environments that really get on with it, uh, the guys for better or worse buy into uh, I guess a unified set of beliefs and and you know and approaches. And I think that's what you guys have certainly been able to do at the Taj, even given how difficult it's been. And I, I kind of want to tip the cap to you guys to, to say, well done, because it's certainly not an easy task given, you know, the adversity that's been faced. But, but Mark, I've got to ask you a couple of questions as we start to end off. And that is, uh, we always like to ask the, the, the hospitality driven individuals one question, which is if you could only go to one restaurant for the rest of your life, anywhere in the world, which one would it be? And, and, and why would you make that choice? Very easy, and it's going to fascinate you, but it's the spur. Because <laughs> it's, because <laughs> I think I know why. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a seven day a week. We all know it so well. We grew up with it. Uh, it fits everybody, it fits the family, it fits the individual. It's just, 100%. it's a culture thing, and it has all the food you want. Um, you know, not, not just because you're thinking sizzling steak, and, you know, um, but it is, it's literally, something for all occasions. So if you're saying something I can eat seven days a week, 365 a year, it's probably only there. Um, mm. I don't think, yeah. you know, I, I could be anywhere else, but I think that's our culture too. You know, it's what yeah. we've always done in this country from a kid to, to an adult, you're still going there. Right. And what a success story. Yeah? I mean, just being able to scale. No, unbelievable. 
just incredible. unbelievable. I'm not I'm not uh, advocating for the brand, but the thing is, it's part of our life, and it's always been like that. And and I always find, you know, the the, the food has been as such that you can really eat what you want. Eh? I mm. mean, you could eat Mexican there, and which was in its own strange way, you know, eating that in South Africa, and it was always good. You know, so mm. it was great. You, you, you're taking me back, vibe. you're taking me back to memories yeah. of the salad valley and things like that now which yes is, uh, yes remember those days a proper sure. a proper trip down <laughs> memory lane um and and mark and and sort of in, in closing i guess the question we always like to ask is is um you know when when all is said and done on the on the working career and and you kind of hang up the boots for the last for the last day um three words that perhaps would we, you'd love to hear in terms of how people have defined your career, any three words that for you kind of really uh, stick out in that sense? I think, I think it's, it's, it's three H's basically hardworking, humble, honest, and consistent. I think it's something mm. I want to take pride in, you know, at the end of the day that I'm a consistent individual, you know? Um, and yeah, I think, I think as you, you grow older, you want to be more humble and you, you want to, um, yeah, so but I, I think I've always downplay achievements and things like that. I'm not too mm. so I like that fact and I think I'd like it to stay that way, you know. So right. and I'm always sort of a what you see is what you get kind of guy. So it's I like it like that and, and I hope that's what I get remembered by. And that, mm. that you had a chance to mentor quite a few people, that's also important. Right. It's funny how so many of those traits are what, what we read about and um you know, the guys that have done something significant in their in the industries where consistency and humility at the same time even whilst being ambitious have been part of their their makeup so it's certainly something fantastic I think that's something that I'm, I'm learning a lot from this company is that um, you know no matter the stature of the individual this is passed on to us um, and, and it's been a great four and a half years so far where you where you see that in action every day mm. so it's 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 a good learning from senior executives you know yeah absolutely um, it's been good yeah, Mark, I mean, I think just to acknowledge and, and to thank you for, for your time and to say that it's been a um it's been wonderful to to spend time with you and to learn from you as well in terms of your approach and, and outlook, even in as we've spoken about in very adverse times. Um it's never more important to have a leader who maintains a certain degree of optimism, is is realistic about things, but knows what the possibilities are, never forgets that. And I think you've exemplified that amazingly for your team and you know, for the people that have really needed it at a time when uncertainty was was the order of the day. So, um, yeah, I just want to convey, I think, that appreciation from all of us who also, you know, work in the industry and supply it. And, you know, it's it's people like that that have kept the ship going in the right direction. So thank you for for that um, strength in difficult times. Oh, no, it's, and thank you, Rob. It's always good to work with uh, companies like yourself and uh, where we can you know, push the teams to greater heights and, and see the benefits of, of this collaborative. Um, and being optimistic is key. I think we, we have to be optimistic, realistic, and uh, we have to have a sense of uh, uh, vigor in ourselves to, to push the teams forward, you know, and uh, if you show that belief, uh, the team will follow you, you know. But I must say, I mean, we've got an industry full of resilient people that, uh really tough and and I, and I always tell you this we have wonderful colleagues and they're all an inspiration to us you know at the end of the day so all all these hotels that survived through through these challenges and restaurants and all of them you know they've done amazingly well it's because it's 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 something we we, we hope we never ever see in our life again 
Um, it has been the biggest challenge I've ever seen. So those who were not so resilient became very resilient, you know. So it's it's nice to see um, that people have really come out of this with that great strength of belief. Um, so, yeah, and thanks for always working well with us and our team. You know, we really appreciate it and we look forward to going uh, from strength to strength.